Hello, you're listening to Thought Starters, a podcast on the business of creativity. I'm Ellie Stuller. Joining us in conversation today from the pod at White City Place, the architect Sophie Goldhill of Liddicote and Goldhill, and Albert Hill, co-founder of design-led estate agents, The Modern House. Together, they talk about why housing is perhaps the most important type of architecture, good design drawing people into new places and giving people what they didn't know they wanted. Sophie founded her practice, Liddicote and Goldhill, along with her husband in 2011, going on to win multiple awards and critical acclaim, including for one of their earliest projects, The Shadow House, a private home in North London that really lives up to its name. Albert is the former design editor at Wallpaper. Together with Matt Gibbard, he founded The Modern House in 2005, an estate agency unlike any other in the UK. The Modern House focuses on architect-designed properties only. Looking through their website, it feels more like a magazine than a sales office. They start off talking about Albert's one professional regret. One of the key regrets of my career, not selling your first house. And I know why. I know why we didn't, actually. It's because I missed a particular phone call. I remember um, I remember it very well. And I remember a couple of days later going, oh, that was just one phone call I shouldn't oh, have missed. Well, but luckily, yeah, we sold did, yeah. other stuff for yeah, you later yeah, on. Have, so it's so. all worked out well in the end. <laughs> <laughs> but would you think that the general public have become more, you know, tuned into? to design I mean would you say that it's kind of soaked uh, into the public consciousness a bit more yeah I think people are kind of more more up for sort of looking at it or definitely engaging with it I mean and that comes about with sort of technology social media Instagram Twitter all that kind of stuff I think it's been been kind of great in that sense Mm. programs like Grand Designs although I'm not a a huge fan I think definitely have kind of you know widened it's made people think that the the could be an alternative way to living than just in yeah. these bog standard boxes and exactly. as you say you know there are some shockers on on designs but it's still I, I mean i also think that the drive towards more sustainability you know everyone understands that buildings got to be more sustainable mm. but the kind of byproduct of that is that people have thought well okay well that means we might be able to build them differently they might look different etc yeah. etc i think also when we had the the shadow house we were you know quite sort of quite young and most people had only lived in Victorian or had an experience of living in London in Victorian terraces or mm. Victorian type properties, mm. and lots of people would sort of have a, a default position. I don't, I don't like modern architecture, sort of. Yeah, and yeah. then they'd come to our house and they'd say, "Well, actually, this this isn't modern. Yeah. You know, even though it's a new build, it's it's you know, well, it's got it's got bricks and it's got mm. wood. It's got the kind of the texture of a, of a Victorian house. Yeah, and so yeah. I think quite often people have this this preconceived idea that you know, and, and some modernism is is about a white box and yeah. there is a certain place for that. But actually, good modern architecture does have a kind of tactility to it, and also shouldn't look totally out of place in historic environments su- such as London. I think often that surprises people that Absolutely. it can it, and it can be modern in its layout and the way that it it sort of operates but actually in its materiality it, it can really be timeless I can refer back to the the user yeah. as well so. so what's the difference for you in terms of being your own client and being you know having someone else as a client yeah and people always always ask this is always an interesting uh, so you have a question you'll have an answer just like that <laughs> well, I <guess> sort of, <laughs> uh, well I think because there's David and I together it's yeah. not it's not just one person I think okay. if it was just me on my own I'd I'd definitely have sleepless nights um but i think often for us 
the it, you know a lot of it comes down to process mm-hmm. and with architecture you know budgets obviously a consideration um planning is a consideration there's lots of kind of constraints that especially in an urban context such as london that almost define the brief for you and i I guess as for us the big question is is sort of layout and how one um wants to live or or utilize the Mm -hmm. space and we we had a great conversation with matt actually about about um you know what what he felt would be a kind of preferred yeah. um, optimum layout in terms of bedrooms and stuff like that. So it was, yeah. it was great to get your input from that on a kind of commercial point no, of th- view. I mean, uh, you know, I think that's really interesting, watching people's um, desires changing about how they want spaces to be uh, configured and, and live and things like that. I mean, what's your current thinking then on how the ideal you know a house See, should um, I mean I think we've definitely moved away from open plan and yeah. there's a sort of thing at the moment that's quite trendy yeah. of a broken plan yes so effectively it's um, you know it's one space for living and eating yeah. but it's often sort of divided so you're at a higher level or a lower level or there's sort of you know a bit of furniture yeah, exactly. that sort of so that you I think that idea of having one great big open space yeah uh, I think people often don't like it they want to be be cooking a little bit in private or they want to feel like they can relax mm. in a sort of a cozy area yeah so i think we've seen a lot where we'll have a, we will have one big open ground floor or you know first mm. floor space for the, for the kind of living bit but there'll be pockets off it for doing the kind of you know the various bits of domesticity like cooking or mm. reading mm. or you know that that kind of thing which is which has yeah. been quite an interesting thing that we've seen absolutely through, yeah so. no i mean i love i always like it when people use different levels to um uh, you know delineate spaces yeah because it's we're also seeing these the, these kind of little dark rooms stashed at the back of houses often, and I think that you know because of social media in a way, people's private spaces are increasingly public. You know, people are forever sort of you know advertising themselves on social media with their you know at home, and I think in a way people like to have a space that is entirely private. Um, and obviously, you know, work is is uh, coming into the home so much more and, and claiming space in the home as well. So, again, that's another sort of blurring of the public-private sort of uh, line. I mean, when people come to you looking for a house, do they have a sort of prescribed... I want five bedrooms in in an X square mm. foot, or is it actually a lot more of a holistic process about finding a house that suits suits them as a as a person? And um, we, well, I, I tell you what, they come to us for is is they come to us for ideas in a way. Yeah, I mean, I think that that good architects and designers will um, give people what they don't know that they want in a way, and and show them possibilities of of living in a way that they hadn't previously sort of considered I mean I think that one of the most interesting meetings I've had in this last week is with a chap who is working on I hate to say retirement homes and retirement properties because we haven't quite found a uh, less ugly way of saying it than that but the kind of challenge is for people's final move to be a an exciting and uplifting move as opposed to a move that feels like they're going on a sort of downward trend and again that is about giving people spaces that make them feel that they've given been given a new lease of life a new burst of possibility and energy and um, certainly when I walk into the best spaces by designers and architects that's 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 the feeling that you get 
um, which you know you guys are obviously so good at and why you've become oh, so you. popular in a way I think but I think by doing our own self-initiated stuff the clients have great confidence in in mm-hmm. us to sort of do that and uh, you know because it is a trusting and it is a journey exactly um, to, to get there exactly because there's a lot of architects aren't there who build these fabulous contemporary schemes and then retreat to their Georgian houses but you're you're you're, you're you know you put your money where your mouth is yeah, exactly so <laughs> Um, but you focus almost entirely on residential. Is it purely residential? Yeah, we've we've kind of um, sort of happened by accident. But we mm. are. I mean, we are really into houses. I mean, if we've got spare time, that's what we'll read. It's very sad if we're on a holiday somewhere. We'll we'll mm. try and go and see a house. Mm. You know, we're, I'm really excited. We're going to go and see Maison de Verne in mm-hmm. in uh, July as my birthday treat. So it's kind of it, it's it's infectious, and we talk yeah. a lot about domesticity and and but then I think also that the house does answer all the fundamental questions of of mm-hmm. architecture and quite mm-hmm. often a public space or a block of flats is really just you know a bigger version of a house and right. I think also a house is is often sometimes the most complex form yeah. of architecture because it is so personal yeah. and there is so yeah. many different types of, of, of living that you have to incorporate under one roof often mm. with quite limited restraints in terms of budget or context yeah. or, or you know or wh- where it is so I think we really enjoy the, the challenge of it yeah of that but you know I think we would with the, our next project that we're looking at is going to be more of a mixed use so mixing commercial and residential and a multi-unit scheme so that for us is really exciting to mm-hmm. sort of think think about that that next step as so I think yeah. we've done a we've done a small London house we've done a big one big London house and we've done lots of, sort of country houses for clients but I think for us doing a, a kind of a co-housing community residential mixed mixed scheme is is really exciting but it's interesting that you say that all the elements of architecture you know are in a house Mm. anyway Um, and I think that's an interesting idea Um, but you know you know I said earlier that kind of work is 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 being felt a lot more in the home but also commerce is isn't it because everyone shops it's true yeah yeah from home now as well you know so um, yeah that is where everything happens it's true and well also because of Instagram you know suddenly it's a stage for people to exactly, be able yeah. to to show yeah. off how they live as well it's it's not yeah. something that's behind closed doors anymore yeah I mean we're called the modern house and in a way what we like to say is that the houses that we and flats that we sell are really about a modern way of living as opposed to strictly modernist architecture you know and, and that's what it comes down to but um it's good to know that we're both house tourists. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> are there any in particular that you've, uh, oh, you've enjoyed? Gosh, and when I was when I was at college, um, I was at UCL. Did a fantastic mm. road trip from Chicago to Dallas. Yeah, and we went and had a look at some of the sort of early modernist okay. private houses. Yeah, and then we ended up in in Texas at the end, and I think it was. Um, Tando, Tando Ando built yeah, a private okay. house yeah. for a Texan oil billionaire. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, it was amazing. She, she, the woman had a Lucian Freud hanging in the front room and mm. in her dining room, she had a sort of small collection of Renaissance sort of panels. But she, she had this sort of incredible stepped sort of library foyer bit at the beginning, which was mm. just kind of immense. Yeah. And when you think of an architect like that, you think about the sort of the grand things that he's done. Yeah, and, yeah. and actually I thought it was sort of just beautiful, the, 
the sort of mm-hmm. details and it was all at a level that you could you could engage with not saying yeah. that you can't in a public space but it's meant to be for lots of people yes I exactly. think that, and I think the wonderful thing about home is it's really personable yeah you know exactly. the kind of the details are there it's you can touch it you can feel it it's all at your level so mm. I think that's that's what really excites us about, about uh, there's something different it. isn't there between standing yeah. in say a gallery space yeah or a commercial space to standing in a, a domestic space You're listening to Thought Starters with architect Sophie Goldhill of Lidicote and Goldhill and Albert Hill, one of the co-founders of The Modern House. You're also architects that particularly think about interiors as well, which, I mean, would you think it's fair to say that a lot of architects tend to forget about the interior yeah I mean I think the problem with the architect now and I suppose comes back to the kind of the the, the sort of shifting role of us is that Mm. actually we used to be kind of quite you know central to a project yeah and and I feel like over time a lot of the things that one would have been responsible for has been stripped away so interior design lighting designer acoustic designer right uh, right. you know Mm. landscape is definitely sort of separate but you know engineer project management I mean there's a whole raft of them so I think with our self-initiated projects we really like to try and and it's not that we're control freaks but we Mm. really like to try and try and kind of have a control of of the whole design Mm -hmm. so that it can be quite pure and that does go down to to the interiors you know the house that we just sold through through the modern house we sold with all the interiors Mm -hmm. bar bar a kind of few items and and you know that for us was very pleasing because we designed the house in such a way the items of furniture and and the bits that we also had made um, were part of the, part of the building, so it it was nice that it was sort of sold as a as a whole. And, and what was the postcode of that house? That was in E E nine in Hackney. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. Not a house that I went to, unfortunately. No. But no. Um, yeah, I mean, we were talking earlier about design being able to draw people into into new locations yeah. that they hadn't previously considered. Um, and that's certainly something that we've seen, you know. Well, yeah, didn't you have it, another house that you have, a client house, the tailored house yes. in Kensington. That's I think right. Matt was saying originally that the clients of that were looking at, in the Islington area. Yeah, But exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but that they saw that house and then they thought, well, I'd love to live in that house. Could I live in that area? Well, maybe. And if you don't have to compromise on the design of the house, well, that gives you a little more wiggle room to compromise on other things. Because people need to feel that they have, you know, got something really right. And the the kind of scarcity of, of good design out there means that they often focus on the geographic location, you know. Obviously, they need to tick certain boxes in terms of getting around. But I think in terms of what is good design, you know, it's a question yeah. that, 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 that millions of people talk about all the time. But... You know, I often ask myself, why is it that a well-designed house can draw people into an area that they've never previously considered? You know, is it just the idea of living in a better designed space? Yes, but I also think that it's kind of the imprint of someone that they feel a relationship with having been in that area. So it's almost someone has pioneered and been in that area so they don't feel kind of stranded in an area that they don't know. I mean that's particularly true in areas that you know might not have seen much design before. Yeah. 
Um, well, I mean, it's interesting. We're the kind of the next proposal that we're doing is actually out of London in Margate, which is sort of be yeah. your sphere as opposed to Matt's. Yeah. And that that's an interesting, interesting. kind yeah. of place that's obviously seen, you know, kind of great upward and downward trends. Well, Margate is very interesting. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. Margate is the place where house prices have risen at a faster rate than anywhere else in the whole of the UK recently. Uh, and that's, you know, that's a fact. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I think you know, one of the big sort of pulls for that was having something like the Turner Contemporary, you know, a good Absolutely. good bit of yeah, architecture of by, you know, by David Chipperfield, a very famous architect, mm. to kind of say, right, well, here's here's a kind of yeah. mark in the ground of, of exactly. actually what this, this place is about. I think having kind of key iconic bits of architecture are, are a draw. So. Absolutely, because people get there for that and then they go, oh, let's have a little look around and see what else we can yeah, find. yeah. So, um, do you like Margate? It's, it's an interesting place. Mm. So I think I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to live there. Yeah. But I think we're really excited about moving our studio out of London to to Margate. I think we'll still have a small space in London, but the main kind of mm-hmm. the work that we do will be there. Yeah. Because we can have a lot more space. You know. I yeah. think actually. You know, architects are quite obsessed about being in Clerkenwell or or, yeah. or Shoreditch and stuff, and it, and it is great. We're in Clerkenwell at the moment, and it's brilliant. But actually, yeah. the most important thing for us is to be able to. We've got a big laser cutter, and we want to have a CNC machine, and actually, we really want to have the space to be able to sort of make and create things. Yeah. And it's just impossible in London to to do that. It's yeah. just it's un you know it's unsustainable. Mm-hmm. And also the people that work for us as well. Exactly. London, this is the also the other thing. One of the people that works for us at the moment, he already lives in Margate, mm-hmm. and then we've got another two guys, and you know they're they're just thinking we we can't we can't sustain living in London, and you know the people that work for us are our business so we've got to provide uh, you know a space where they can afford to live so i think it's it feels quite scary (laughs) making that jump but uh, i'm also really excited about feeling that we can also be in a place and really make a difference about it i mean Mm. often in london Mm. it's it's very commercially led if there are things to be done it's it's quite often about money and i feel like actually there we could we could do things because of the joy of doing it and and because Mm -hmm. actually our overheads are slightly lower and we can just make things and we can create Mm -hmm. things and we can be part of actually a, a community there to, mm-hmm. to to sort of imp- not not just improve it, but to to let it be something that kind of grows and and that we can grow into as well. So. No, I think that's going to be one of the most exciting things over the next kind of few decades, really, in terms yeah. of culture. This seeing where little pockets of interesting things yeah. sprout up, because you know we're already seeing that. But obviously, for exactly the same reason that you say, you can be a lot more playful and experimental without the pressures of huge overheads in places other than Clerkenwell and you know Shoreditch, which have become prohibitively expensive. I mean, if you because obviously you have two sides of your business, one London, one outside of London. Have you yeah. seen sort of the shift over the last few years between? people wanting to be Mm. in London or people wanting to go further afield absolutely yeah without a doubt but there's still so few properties being offered in interesting places which is why as I say we've got a really keen eye on anyone doing anything interesting outside of you know the well-trodden places because you know build and they will come kind of thing Mm -hmm. I mean there's a real thirst in the market for something interesting that is at a relatively more accessible mm. price point. So, you know, we've got our eye on on lots of places, really. But, yeah, the, there's certainly a desire to get out 
you know, people's standards are, are going up in terms of design, partly because they have access to, yeah. to ideas and images so easily that I think that, you know, developers need to do something pretty interesting and engage mm. with design or else or else people sort of won't, you know, won't get engaged themselves. Mm, mm. Um, and that's certainly a growing... Uh, yeah, I don't want to say trend. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, well, I suppose with the um, was it the Greenwich Peninsula, Peninsula that you mm. dealt with, where they had Tom Dixon designing some of the kind of like, well, I mean, I don't know how That's many apartments right. he designed. Yeah, I mean, they're doing a similar thing here, yeah. um, at White City. So you know, but you know, as you said earlier on, you know, developers have always got as tend to have such a bad name. I mean, of course, there's always going to be developers out there who are just obsessed with squeezing the last pound out of every square inch but you know I think a lot of people in the development world actually enjoy engaging with design and now I think they're being forced to as well so you know design is playing a, a bigger and bigger part um, and it's it, it's great fun to see you know I suppose you're at the much smaller end mm-hmm. of the development spectrum still doing really great stuff um, Stanhope would be I don't know what towards the kind of medium end of the development spectrum but even the really big people are getting involved with it now um, yeah I mean I think we, well, I've got good friends in Amsterdam and I went to stay with them recently mm. and I do often think that the way that they approach sort of development yeah. is is kind of uh, sometimes a lot more refreshing than how we do it in the in the UK yeah. and that's yeah. because it's it's kind of it, I think a lot of it comes down to planning especially on yeah. the kind of the big schemes yeah so for example these friends of ours bought a kind of custom build which I think is mm. a really nice idea I don't know if you've seen yeah. much sort of they're quite big on it in Holland aren't yeah. They? yeah and it would be I think it's sort of interesting to think why why it hasn't sort of translated over here but the house that they lived in they could make small changes about balconies and windows the sort of the fundamental size of the house was the same and they but she could configure the the room layouts how she wanted it to be and the result is a sort of a terraced row of houses but with each subtle differences to it so it really you really feel like there's a kind of personality mm-hmm. and a kind of a care to each of the houses and that was also driven by the by the planning department that has to work hand in hand with the architect so it's not just a you've got the planning permission there you go go and build it here's some conditions that you have to discharge actually it's a far more collaborative approach to it where you know they will really you know they'll make sure that the materials chosen are good quality and so I think we in this country planning is often seen as a sort of hurdle to to get through but actually it should be should be something that's kind of continuous all the way through to the end well I, I think that's a really interesting point and I think that working for the council's planning department you know has sort of recently been you know a terrible job um but I've spoken to a lot of people from younger generations recently who have realized that actually the way to engineer the most change is not to set up as your own as an architect where you might not get any work but actually let's go and work for the council and try to change the way that they approach architects and actually I can have a much bigger impact on the um, built environment than if I but it used to be in the 60s that to, yes. be, to be a council architect was you know it That's was right. the dream yeah you know some yeah. of the great modernist mm. housing estates like the Maidenlane estate exactly um, yeah. you know by by very prominent architects but came about from I think it was it was Camden Council at the time that's it um, yeah but and, if you and were, the planning department there so. exactly if you were a great architect coming out of 
architecture school mm. then you would go into yeah, yeah. into the local um council's architecture department and i think that sentiment is coming round again really that's interesting um yeah, yeah. so uh, you know you never know but um uh, i think people are as i say just realizing that that they can influence things from the inside now and there are some you know i've had some really interesting meetings with councils mm. that that give me a real uh, positive hope that that view of of councils trying to squash design is mm. is kind of falling by the wayside and actually they're trying to encourage mm. good design because they realize that it can create you know has such a positive impact on mm. placemaking mm, you know true. i mean our, our house that we've we just finished and and sold through you guys mm. in hackney we had a fantastic conservation officer there yeah he had architectural training so he he knew what type of bricks we were talking about right and yeah. he really pushed it was a kind of it was a conversation and um, i think yeah. also because he he'd seen the sort of architecture that we'd done before he had great mm -hmm. confidence in our ability to be able to do a good building yeah and therefore i think we were able to you know to get the most out of out of the site to maximize yeah. the site in its sort mm. of commercial value but you know because we were able to have that design conversation with him from the from yeah. the start so i think it's 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 really important and that was that was a really refreshing approach rather than feeling it was something that you had to kind of yeah exactly battle against so exactly. um but uh, but uh, you know you're particularly good as at crossing that bridge between having a building that sits within a historic environment or, uh, you know, its context. Although, I mean, you said earlier that that's really important, but I also do like the buildings that just stick out like sore thumbs mm. <laughs> as well. Yeah. I mean, Maison Vert, for instance. Yes, no, that is... Uh, I mean, that kind of, you know, that's a real sort of object in the landscape type, uh, type building, and they're always fun as well. I mean, there's a few of the great houses from the 60s and 70s that you walk past and you just think, how did that get yeah, planning? Yeah. I mean, there's Patrick Gwynne's house down in Blackheath. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's just unbelievable. So it's kind of terrace of Georgian house, very, yeah. um, very polite Georgian house, very polite Georgian house. And then there's just this big black, you know, crazy house that looks like it's literally just landed from another planet. Then another polite Georgian house, then another <laughs> polite Georgian house, then another polite Georgian house. And um, yeah, I mean, it's great. Yeah. It's great. Well, it's nice to mix it up. I mean, exactly. I think that's the thing is is you want that kind of surprise yeah. element. So I think kind of the co a combination of, of the two is often good. Well, that's goods. right. That was architect Sophie Goldhill of Lidicote and Goldhill in conversation with Albert Hill, the co-founder of The Modern House. This has been Thought Starters, recorded at the pod at White City Place, produced by David Michon and recorded and edited by Claire Crofton. To find out how you can record your own podcast at White City Place, find us online at whitecityplace.com, on Twitter or Instagram at whitecityplace, or shoot us an email at podcast at whitecityplace.com. Subscribe to Thought Starters on iTunes, give us a rating and write us a comment. It really helps. Our next episode will be live tomorrow, where we'll hear from Martin Cohen, the founder of Six Up Productions, and Jonathan Chippendale from Holition, who together will discuss the fashion brands finding new ways to connect to their audiences, be it through event or through technology. Mm -hmm.